Psalm 119, we'll look at verses um, 9 through 16. And in this psalm, a a very well-known passage of Scripture is set before us. It's set before us by the way of a question. And many of you, I'm sure, know the question. Once I read it, it will be very familiar to you. And the question is this, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? What a question this is. The ESV puts it this way, How can a young man keep his way pure? You see, this is, a, this is a very vital question, is it not? It's a vital question not only for youth, but it's a vital question for each and every one of us. It's a question that I hope and I pray that you have interacted with. I hope and I pray that by the grace of God you have felt the weight of your sin to such a degree that you've cried out to God, how can I keep my way pure in this fallen world? I want you to see that from the scripture this morning you will have the instruction of heaven given to you. Not because, not because it comes to you through a particular man, but because it comes to you through the word of God. This precious word that he has given to us that we might find ourselves holy in this world, happy in this world, and then happy on the shores of heaven as well. Well, take your Bible then and uh, let's turn to Psalm 119. And as I said, I'd like to read uh, to you uh, verses 9 through 16. Psalm 119, verses 9 through 16. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hidden in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning with this great question before us. How can a young man, or how can any person for that matter, keep their way pure before you, Lord God? Oh, Father, this is a vital question. And I would hope and I would pray, Father, that each and every one of us to some degree have struggled with this question. I hope and I pray, Father, that each and every one of us has sat down and pondered this very thing. How can we be holy before you in this world? Oh, Father, what we ask and pray this morning are a number of things. Number one, we pray for a clear answer to be given to us. And we see it on the page in front of us. A very weighty question, but a very clear answer is given. We thank you for that, and I ask and I pray, Lord God, that you would give me grace to to open this up and to set this forth before your people. But I also pray, Lord God, that you would help us to see not only the answer that is given in this passage of Scripture, but that you would also help us to see the attitude of the psalmist in this section of your holy word. This attitude, which takes up by way of a desire, the longing to be holy. This attitude which takes up by way of determination a resolve to be holy. This attitude which takes up by way of a desire the joys and the delights of holiness. Oh, Father, in Jesus' name, may not only the actions, may may not only the question and the answer of this text resonate within our souls, but may the very attitude of the psalmist reach down within our bones. Grant, Father, these things we pray and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Psalm 119. Uh, Many of you know that this is a psalm in one sense that's all about the Word of God. It's a psalm that extols God's holy Word. It sets the Word of God before us in a number of ways. And one of the things that's very interesting about this psalm, many of you may know this, is that this is the longest psalm in all all, all of the Word of God. It's the longest chapter in all the Word of God. 
And what's interesting about the psalm is the way that it's constructed. It is constructed by way of 22 stanzas of eight verses each. Uh, every, every stanza corresponding to a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So that in the first stanza, it corresponds to the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. In the second stanza, the second letter, and so on. The other thing that's interesting is this, is that every stanza and, and the eight verses in the stanza uses the Hebrew letter for, the, for each of the verses. So with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, that first stanza all begins with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. We don't see it in our English translations, but there it is in the Hebrew. It's a wonderful song. As I said before, it extols the word of God. And as a matter of fact, at least seven, probably more likely, ten different words are used to give expression to the word of God in this passage of scripture. The word of God is his statutes. The word of God are his testimonies. The word of God is his precepts. And over and over again, we have this multifaceted approach to the splendor of the word of God in order to kind of engender within us something of a love and something of an appreciation for what the holy word of God is able to do. We see in one sense life lived out from the perspective of the psalm. And it's a wonderful thing to take the psalm up. Many of its passages are memorable. As I said before, who is not, uh, most of you I hope are familiar with this passage that we're looking at. And who is not asked the question, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? And then the, the great answer again, by taking heed according to thy word. Carried, carried very closely by verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Oh, how many of us as young Christians memorize that verse? How many of us as older Christians still take recourse to that verse? How many times when the mind is tempted with all the things that the world presents to us and we've found refuge in that passage of Scripture? How shall a man keep his way pure by taking heed according to thy word? And there you are in the course of temptation. And what are you doing? You're going into that storehouse that storehouse of scripture that you by way of the spirit of God, but also you by way of determination and desire and delight have taken the word of God and hidden it in your heart so that when this temptation comes, you have a particular answer in scripture to, for that. When that temptation comes, you have another passage of scripture that is appropriate for that matter. Have you learned to use the word of God in this way? I hope that you have. And so again, what I want to do is I want to, I want to, I want to engage you in this passage of Scripture. One man says this about the psalm. I thought it was memorable, and this is why I have it here as a quote. He says this, This Psalm 119 expresses the earnest desire and steadfast purpose to make God's law the governing principle of life. The governing principle of life. The great north star that you follow through this world of uncertainty. The, the light that shines in a dark place, which is the word of God. To make God's law the governing principle of life. To surrender all self-willed thoughts and aims. To subordinate all of life to the supremely perfect will of God. With unquestioning faith in its all-embracing providence and unfailing love, the, the psalmist sets before us the psalm of the saints. An alphabet of divine love. The Christian's golden ABC of praise, of love, power, and the use of the word of God. Oh, thank God for his word. I hope you have these, these exalted thoughts about the word of God from time to time. I hope the word of God just kind of uh, captures your soul from time to time and you just uh, find yourself just giving thanks to God for his word. Finding in his word promises, finding in his word sweetness, as it were, opening up and finding in a treasure that you never saw there before. But there is God again ministering, ministering to you through his word. 
And so again, this is what this, uh, this, is what this 119th Psalm is. And as I said before, I want to open it up. And, and the way I want to handle the passage of Scripture is primarily by looking at the, at the question that's asked in verse 9 and also the answer that's given. But I also want to move on from that. And what I want to begin to do is I want to delve into the rest of the stanza and I want to show to you that that steadfastness of soul which says, I will take heed to the word of God in order that I might keep my way pure, that, that steadfastness of soul kind of is um, punctuated by particular attitudes and characteristics to the word of God. And I hope to set these forth before you today. And so, as I said before, we're going to take a look at the question and the answer, and then we're going to see, then we're going to see the attitudes that are consistent with this resolve uh, that God calls us to. Well, if I were to set before you, again, something of what I would call the doctrine of the text, what are we going to learn primarily today uh, from this passage of Scripture? It would be the following, that a young man in particular... And any person in general must give heed to the word of God in order to cleanse his way or to keep his way clean from sin. I want to read that again. A young man in particular. We see in the psalm that the psalm is directed to a young man. How shall a young man keep his way? But again, when we begin to study this psalm and we see how it's applied to a young man, we very quickly begin to understand that this is not only appropriate instruction for young men, this is appropriate instruction for all of God's people. For how many of us still do not struggle with the things that even we struggled with in youth? How many times do we as even older saints still find these tendencies to sin within us? And so the answer that is given to young men is the same answer for us as well. And so as I'm speaking to you this morning, and I, I'm going to take my glasses off here a minute, and yes, I'm speaking particularly to, to young men. I'm glad that we have a number of young men here this morning, more than I would have thought here today. And so this word, this, this sermon in one sense is for you, but it's for all of us as well, isn't it? Because we too need to have our way clean before God. And may God give us the grace to do that. Well, as I said, uh, what we'll do is we'll take a look at that, at this doctrine. A young man in particular and any person in general must give heed uh, to the word of God in order to cleanse his way or in order to keep his way free from sin. And then what we're going to do, as I said, we're going to move into the remainder of the psalm. We're going to deal with the question and the answer. Then we're going to move into the remainder of the psalm. And what we're going to see in the psalm are basically three attitudes that must be present if we are to take heed to the Word of God. You see, taking heed to the Word of God is a command and a call that sometimes we find ourselves slacking in. To take heed to the Word of God is a, is a command that we will use the Word of God as a guard and as a hedge, as a light, as a keeper from sin. And sometimes we fail in that. And so what we're going to see here this morning is that the psalmist, in a very beautiful way, a way that's consistent with the poetry of the, uh, of the psalms, in a very beautiful way, he's going to weave in particular attitudes that undergird the action of taking heed. And the attitudes that he's going to weave in are the three attitudes of, number one, desire. We're going to see in the psalm, the, the psalmist expressing a great desire. He wants this thing, if I can put it that way. He wants to be a holy man in a fallen world. Does that resonate with you? Do you understand something when the psalmist speaks about the, the beauty of holiness? Is there an appeal to that? Is there an appeal of that to your hearts? I hope that there is. So we're going to see this desire that the psalmist has. Then we're going to see a determination. A determination. And I think there's much, especially to young men, that we should speak about by way of determination. 
This idea that God through the Spirit so works within the will to give resolve, to give a manliness to our Christianity. Thank God for that. Thank God that these things are possible. Thank God that holiness is consistent with manliness and manliness is consistent with godliness. And so you'll see this desire and this determination. And then the last thing that we'll see by way of the attitude that is weaved into this passage of Scripture is this idea of delight. Oh, the delight of the Christian man. The delight of the Christian woman. The delight of the young Christian boy or girl to taste and see that genuinely, truly, yes, the Lord is good. And so I hope to set all these things before you uh, in this passage of Scripture. Well, the first thing I want to do then is I want to I ask you to consider with me then a young man in the Word of God. A young man in the Word of God. That's the title of our sermon. A young man in the Word of God. And what's interesting is this, is that I think if you're a young man, and I think if you talk to a Christian who has made any advance in his relationship with the living God, he will tell you that the things he or she regrets most in life is their sin. I want to say this again. Those of you who are young, if you talk to any Christian who has made any advance in their Christian life, and I hate to say this, not every Christian has made advance in their Christian life. You understand that. But those who have made advance in their Christian life, they will tell you that their greatest, their greatest regrets are their past sins. And while they know that God has forgiven them of their sins, and while they know that their sins will never be brought against them on the day of evaluation, on the day of judgment, yet there is something again by way of the sting even of former sins. We think of the word again of the psalmist in Psalm 25 where he cries out to God, Remember not the sins of my youth. You see, here is a man, and, and what is he thinking about? He's thinking about the sins of his youth. And so a man who has made any advance in the Christian life will say to a young man, keep yourself off from this foolishness. Don't get tangled up with these foolish sins, these, things, the, these sins that will do your soul no good. And as I said before, while the Christian man knows and understands that his sins will not testify against him on that last day, still as he thinks back on them, they give him something of grief and something of embarrassment. I know this is the case with myself. I think back on the sins of youth and I think, and it hurts and I thank God that they'll not testify against me. But there's still something of a tinge there. And so what an old man, what, an old, what, an, what, what a Christian man who has advanced somewhat in the, in the life of faith would say to a young man is keep yourself off from willful sins. Doesn't David pray to, that, that God would keep him from presumptuous sins? What's a presumptuous sin? A presumptuous sin is that sin where we say, well, God's going to forgive me anyway. This is devastating the spiritual life. And you do well to leave it off. As I said before, I've said this in other contexts, let us learn as the, as the people of God to take as much pleasure in our obedience to the word of God as we used to take pleasure in our sin. It's a tall task, isn't it? But it can be done. Everybody likes winning, don't they? And so there you are in the Christian struggle, in the Christian fight, and there you are saying no to your sin. And there you are taking your stand on the word of God. And there you are sensing the spirit of God leading and guiding and directing you. And there you are seeing Jesus Christ as the great lover of your soul. And you're holding on to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's bringing you through that temptation. And when it's all said and done, you say, oh, Father, thank you. Thank you that I know the victory of this, of this victory over sin. And so again, talk to a Christian who's made any advance. Talk to a Christian who has known anything of the sweet fellowship with the living God. And he will tell you that it is a deeper and more satisfying pleasure than even sin. 
Again, talk to any Christian who knows anything about the soul satisfaction that comes with communion with Christ, and he or she will tell you it is a deeper satisfaction than even sin. The psalmist again, because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. If, if God's loving kindness is better than life, you better believe it's better than sin. And so my friends, my Christian friends, again, understand the great joys that there is in having this communion and this fellowship with God. Talk to a man, thirdly, talk to a man who has ruined his life through sin. And this happens, doesn't it? When people make absolute wrecks of their life. It's hard to see and it's hard to understand. It's hard to fathom sometimes. But, but it happens. And it happens all too often. We look around us and we see life's wasted and it hurts. We look and we say, what well, could have been? Talk to a man who has ruined his life through sin. And he will tell you that if he had a chance to do it all over again, he would never have entered down that path. He would have left it off. He would have not only prayed for that God would have given him, given him hindsight in the present, but would have given him foresight in the past. Well, young men, I'm giving you foresight from the Word of God here. Leave off sin. Have nothing to do with it. Take a manly stand against it. Ask God to give you grace to empower you by the Spirit of God. And I'm not talking only to young people this morning. You see, that man who has ruined his life, he comes and somewhat to the end of his days like we read in Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 20. A great missionary passage, Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 20. And in there, we, we read of the people of God and they say, or the people, they say this, the harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. Do you hear the despair in that passage of Scripture? Well, that's the despair of a life lived for sin. You see, that's the one thing that you have to understand about sin. Sin is all about now, and it has nothing to do by way of gain in the future. At the end of your days, you will come to this passage of Scripture, should you not heed the warning of the Word of God. The harvest will be passed. The summer will be ended. Your life will be coming to a close, and you will not be saved. May that not be the case for any of us. So then this passage of Scripture, this question, the great emphasis then of this question is how a man, a young man or any person, can cleanse their way and be kept pure in that way. Uh, Matthew Henry says of this question that it is a very weighty question indeed, but a satisfactory answer has been given. And the, first, and the answer is, again, by taking heed according to thy word. Now what's interesting is we engage the passage on the page as it stands some questions come to the forefront. We know the, the question and the answer itself, but some questions come to the forefront as to how we are to understand this passage of Scripture. Number one, I think the, the first question that we ask is, who's asking the question here? Is, is this a question that a young man is asking himself and struggling with the reality of sin and, and asking himself that question, oh, how can I keep my way pure before God? This happens, you know. Just look, look in verse 5 of Psalm 119 and notice what you have by way of, of, by way of the desire of the, uh, of the psalmist. Look at what he says here in verse 5. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. There was something of a holy desire in this man. And so it could be that the psalmist is, is, is musing within himself, asking himself this question, how can I keep my way pure? How can I cleanse my way? But there's also much you know, reason to think that what you might be seeing here isn't so much the, the, the personal musing of a, of, a, of, a, of a godly young man, but rather what you're seeing here is the, is, the, is the personal interaction of a godly saint interacting with a young man and giving him the counsel of godliness. Oh, what wonderful counsel that is. 
Godly counsel. Counsel from the Word of God. The Word of God directing. The Word of God determining. The Word of God laying out for us what our decisions and, and, and giving to us all the stuff that we need to make good and godly decisions. And so it could very well be that what you have is you have an older, an aged saint giving this counsel to a young man. Much like what we would see in the book of Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 and verse 10. My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. Sometimes you, you may have heard the saying, everything I needed to know in life I learned in kindergarten. Well, I hope you learned that one before kindergarten. Listen to your mother and father. Especially if you have, especially if you have godly parents. They have not only the well-being of your, uh, of your person and time in their focus, they have the well-being of your soul and eternity in, in focus. Proverbs again, 1.10, My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Learn to say no to sin. Learn to say no to temptations, not only from without, but temptations from within. And you see, this is why I'm saying, I'm not speaking just to, to young people here this morning. Which one of us, I don't care how much gray, head we, gray hair we have on our head, which one of us don't need to hear this counsel? If sinners entice, they say no. And the various ways in which sinners entice, they don't always entice us in our personal conversations. They entice us sometimes by their advertisement. They entice us sometimes by their worldview. They entice us sometimes by, by their persuasion. And so may we, by the grace of God, again, take up uh, this call to not give in, to not heed to the words of sinners. But as I said before, I really think that, that this passage of Scripture can indeed be uh, a reference to the musing of a, of a young, godly man uh, asking this question. You know, I want to say this about young people in our day. Let me read if I can. You know, we are, we're often too quick to think that in our day, Young men cannot ask themselves such important questions as this. Too often we're really willing to think that every youth must be content to wallow in the sins of youth. But I don't think that's necessarily the case. I do, I do believe that God works in the hearts and the souls of the young in our day. We may not always see it, but, it is be, but, we may, but, but maybe this is because we're not expecting to see it. And so as, as parents and as, and as aged saints... Let us look for those stirrings of the soul within the young that show some inclination for the things of God. And let us support them in that. Let us lead them and counsel them in the right way. And we see this again in the psalm, Psalm 71, uh, verse 5. Here is, the, here is the, 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 the cry of an older man from when he was a, thinking back from when he, on when he was a youth. Psalm 71, 5. For thou art my hope, O Lord God. Thou art my trust from my youth. And people, I want to say to you, you can be good and godly and holy in this world today. You don't have to wait to a certain age. You can embrace the call of God now. You can be, if I can say it this way, your soul can be romanced by the wooing of the Spirit of God here and now. And so again, may this be the case not only for the young, but also for us as well. God makes fresh approaches to your soul. You know that. God is not content uh, to leave you, so to speak, uh, just out there somewhere. God is always coming back. God is always making overtures to the soul. And so you, may you and I, may the young, all of us, ask ourselves the question, oh, how can we keep our way pure? How can we cleanse our way? You see what we're doing with this passage, and you see what we're doing with the concept of, of a young man. We're, we're applying it primarily to a young man, but we're also applying it a little more broadly to people in general. But I think there is a reason why the Scripture is pointing to the idea of a young man. And the reason why is because there are particular uh, challenges that young men, that young men face. Uh, there are particular challenges that young people face. face. And the particular challenges really are, t 
take at least three kind of, uh, kind of uh, uh, avenues, we might say. And the first thing is that the young, like all of us, are born with a natural inclination and proclivity to sin. Uh, if given the opportunity, nature, if allowed to follow itself, will find itself in sin. So, so the young and old alike deal with that. Uh, we're, we're thankful that as, ages, as older saints, we can look back onto the effect of the Spirit of God and able to, and able to create within us something of a, something of a resisting force of the, of, the in, of, the in, of the influx of sin. But we still see, as I said before, both young and old, they deal with the realities of sin, uh, even, for, even by way of being an inclination from youth. Isn't this what we learn in Genesis chapter 8, verse 21, where we read this, um, uh, for the imagination of men's heart is evil from, from his youth. And so again, there's that inclination even by youth. The, the, the second thing I want you to say, and this, and this may even be in one sense, while not uh, coming to us from from a direct passage of scripture, this is a very uh, keen observation that, that others have made, not myself, but, but others have said this about the challenges that are associated uh, with youth and with a young man. That it must be remembered that passion and feeling are stronger than judgment and experience in youth. Passion and feeling are stronger than judgment and experience in youth. So that while youth are inclined to respond by way of what passion and, and what by way of, uh, of inclination is, wisdom or age gives the perspective of being able to come to sound decisions. And so part and parcel of youth is the impulse of youth. And it's the impulse of youth in one sense that the psalmist is warning against. And so again, understand that that as young men and as all of us, we have an inclination to sin, but also understand uh, that there is a sense in which uh, impulse and, uh, and, in, and in, uh, impulse and passion are greater than judgment and experience. But I want to I segue just for a short while to this idea in old age as well. It's been my observation that People may be long in the Lord, but the maturity is very, very undeveloped. And there is a sense in which, you know, we talk about in the physical world things that stunt growth. In the spiritual realm, if I can put it that way, in the development of the spiritual life, nothing stunts spiritual growth like willful or presumptuous sin. And your maturity will stop at the level of your spiritual growth. And spiritual growth oftentimes stops at the level of our disobedience to the Word of God. When we know the Word of God says that we ought not to do something or we ought to do something, and we choose not to do it. And so you see, impulse and passion are silencing judgment and experience, and at that point, spiritual growth is stunted. Let that not be the case with any of us who are older in the Lord. And young men, please, again, understand, while, while passion of youth is, can, be, can be rightly channeled in a wonderful way, while impulse oftentimes can, can have a, something of a, of a, of a, of a direct, uh, uh, direct uh, a move of God upon it, always remember that judgment and experience are what's needed. And so again, for youth, 
we have to understand that, again, passion and feeling are often, are often stronger than judgment and experience. But the third thing that we see in the scripture is very clear about this is that there are particular, uh, there are particular sins uh, that do mark uh, uh, youth. Uh, sins that mark old age as well, but there are, uh, there are, there are particular sins that mark youth. Uh, Paul says that Timothy in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, uh, verse 22, flee also youthful lust. And so you see, this is why, this, is why um, this question is being asked, and this is why uh, this is being engaged. But again, we come to the, that's so much for the question. And now we come uh, to the answer. And what is the answer? The answer is again very, given to us very clearly there in verse 9, the second part of verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man take heed? I'm sorry, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereunto according to thy word. Here is the answer that God has to your dilemma, we might say, to your fight, to your conflict. You desire to be holy and righteous before God, and I commend you for that. I encourage you in that. I want to stand by your side, and I want to help you to grow in faith as much as I can. But you must, on a personal level, you must take heed to the word of God. You must embrace the call of God to your soul, even your young soul right now. And you must take this call seriously to give heed to the word of God. So what I want to do then is I, as I work through this, I want to just consider with you what it is to take heed. Well, first of all, understand what's being said, that if you take heed to the word of God, you will cleanse your way or you will keep your way pure. This is one of the great blessings of the word of God as such. The word of God as, as it stands. You know, the word of God is a cleansing agent to the soul. We see this over and over again, don't we? It's our passage right here in front of us. How shall a young man uh, cleanse his way or keep his way pure? By taking heed according to the word. The word of God cleanses. We see other passages. Again, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ in the church, says this about the word of God, that he might sanctify the church and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. The word of God cleanses. John 17, verse 17, the Lord Jesus Christ in that great high priestly prayer. What does he pray to the Father for his disciples? He prays, Father, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. You see, the word has a sanctifying effect. And then John 15, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, as he's getting ready to speak about that great parable of the vine and the branches, he says unto them, Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. So you see, the word of God is that which is necessary for the well-being and for the cleansing of your soul. If you desire to be holy in this world, you must, you must embrace the word of God. If you desire to be holy in this word, you must give heed to the word of God. And so I commend God's word to you. Now the word of God does this in a number of ways. The first thing that it does to us, if I can say, if I can go back to what I said earlier, the first thing that it does for us is that it shows us the wonders and beauty of the God who loves you. It shows you the wonder of the beauty of the Christ who died for you. It gives you the thrill and the excitement of sensing the Spirit of God working in and through you. It gives you the awareness that these eternal pleasures are of much more value than the temporal pleasures which come, which are fleeting. What's the song that, uh, I believe it was John uh, Newton who wrote it? Lasting joys and solid pleasure, none but Zion's children know. Lasting joys and solid pleasures, none but Zion's children know. Is that your testimony? And so the Word of God has this cleansing effect. Well, it cleanses again when we give heed to it. And what is it to give heed? Well, the word give heed is a very common word in the, in the Old Testament. Uh, when, I, when I looked it up, I, I can't remember. But it, was, it occurs hundreds of times uh, in the Old Testament, if my memory serves me uh, uh, properly here. Uh, the word means to observe. It means to guard. It means to keep. And so you're taking heed to the word of God when you're observing its commands. 
You're taking heed to the Word of God when you are keeping its commands. You're taking heed to the Word of God when you are guarding it, not allowing anything to have a priority over the Word of God. There is a certain Lordship of Christ that is conveyed to us through the Lordship of His his Word in our practical experiences. And so again, we see this is what it means to, to give heed to the Word of God. So to give heed to the Word of God in the context that we find here, first of all, obviously, you must read it. My, my young friends, do you have a Bible? Simple as that. Do you have a Bible that's your Bible? A Bible that you write in. All the promises that God... God makes promises in His Word. I think of uh, the time when uh, I was kind of, kind of praying to God by way of uh, the, my sons and their spiritual condition, and I came across uh, that place in Scripture where where the Amalekites had taken away David's children and David's family and David's, all David's things. And there was God acting on behalf of David. And David went and he, got, he, and he took back. And the scripture says that he took back everything uh, that the Amalekites had taken. He had not lost one thing. And I wrote down on my Bible, Oh, Father, let that be the promise for my children. Let not the Amalekites take my children. Let my children come back to the faith that they professed. And so you see again, you write in the Word of God. Have a Bible and make it your own. Let it be precious to you. Be able to look through your house and say, where's my Bible? But maybe you never have to ask the question, where is my Bible? You may know exactly where your Bible is at. So again, take up the Word of God. Read it. Think about it. Memorize it. Meditate upon it. This is what it is to give heed to the Word of God. Let it be your guide and your greatest authority in life. Pray through the Word of God. And then take it up by way of practice. You see, these are all pictures of what it means to be, uh, what it means to take heed to the word of God. Well, then a young man with a desire for the glory of God running deep in his soul with a clear conviction of the blessedness of the purity of life, that young man makes certain resolutions. I have to say, I love this thought. I really do. I love, if I can say it this way, uh, the, the, the will of man so worked upon by the Spirit of God that the Spirit of God forms real character in the man. Again, I can say that you look in the Scripture, the, 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 the scriptural presentation of a man as such is not somebody who just meanders through life. He is a man with purpose. He is a man with desires. And those desires are to see Christ exalted and glorified. And so we have here something of the Spirit-filled man with a resolute will. Here is a young man with self-awareness. This is a level of maturity that a young man may have. Uh, this is, here is a level of maturity being reflected in this question that some young men may have, but sadly, some old men never have. Some never ask this question. How can I be clean from my way? Some old fools, and I say it purposely, some old fools say, how can I make my way more sinful? Let this not be said of the people of God. But may we again take up what we see here again by way of this desire. And we see here again, we're moving on, if I can put it to you this way, we're moving on to those, to those elements that undergird the, the taking heed to the word of God. And those elements, as we delve into the rest of the song and, and the rest of the stanza, you're going to see it. You're going to see these three attitudes bubbling up on the pages of this, uh, of this particular stanza. And as I said before, the three attitudes are, once again, essentially desire, determination, and delight. Well, let's take a look at the, at the first. First thing I want you to see is that what needs to go along with, uh, with that, uh, the answer to the question, 
by taking heed according to the Word of God. If you are to take heed to the Word of God, it must be accompanied by a great desire for the Word of God, for the, for the, for the wonder and for the beauty of holiness. Again, where do we see this? Look at verse 10 of the passage of Scripture. With my whole heart. You see, this is desire, isn't it? Look at verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. This is desire, that I might not sin against thee. Look at verse 12. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. Teach me, Lord. You see the desire in this young man? The desire is a whole-souled desire within the person. It's very interesting when you look up this word, uh, this phrase, a whole heart, how many times it occurs in the scripture. And we would have to say this about this idea of the whole heart. That in one sense, there is no true biblical religion apart from a wholeheartedness. There is something about saving faith that engages the entire person. And so there is the psalmist, whether as a young man asking himself the question, or whether as an aged saint giving this answer, the young man is now saying this, with my whole heart have I desired thee. And so again, I, I ask the question, does this, does this reflect something in you? How can, a man keep his, how can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to his word? This, uh, is this wise counsel? Again, we ask the question, is it the father or the son? But the thing that I want you to see here again is that with my whole heart, real Christianity cannot exist if it does not take up the whole heart. Thirteen times this expression is used in the Bible. And again, we see this by way of a particular blessing that God gives to his people. Jeremiah chapter 24, verse 7. And I will give them a heart to know me. My friends, can I say this? Can you at least, before God, say that you desire to have a heart? You may look within yourself and see nothing but human frailty. But if you desire this heart, God will give you a new heart. Listen again to the promise of God through Isaiah. And I will give them a new heart to know me. And I am their Lord. And they shall be my people. And I will be my God. Listen, for they shall return unto me with their whole heart. This wholehearted religion. May it be ours. This wholehearted Christianity, may it be ours. This wholehearted love for Christ, may you know it and experience it. And so again, what is, what is Christianity without this whole act of God upon the soul? Notice again, as we said in, in verse 11, that I might not sin against thee. This is the great desire. The great desire is not only to realize that sin will bring me, uh, that sin is a destroyer and sin will bring me a uh, pain and agony in this life. The great desire of the psalmist is that he might not offend the holy God, the God that loves him. The God that, that has been gracious enough to enter in the covenant relationship with him. And that's why he says again, that I may not sin against thee. Psalm 41 is the same expression. I said, Lord, be merciful to, unto me and heal my soul for I have sinned against thee. This is the great plague of his heart that he sinned against God. And even David in Psalm 51, the famous expression here, against thee and thee only have I sinned. Of course, you know, God knows when we sin against him. He says this in Isaiah. Listen to what he says. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth. For the Lord hath spoken, I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. Jeremiah 2.8, the priest said not, where is the Lord? And they that handled the law knew me not. The pastors also transgressed against me, and the prophets prophesied by Baal and walked after things that do not profit. You see, God knew when they sinned. Ezekiel chapter 2, verse 3, And he said unto me, Son of man, I send thee to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that hath rebelled against me. You see, God knows our sins. And when God knows our sins, our response is, Oh Lord, let me not sin against thee. This is the great desire of the converted heart. Verse 12, we have the same thing as well. Teach me thy statutes. 
Is your desire for God, is your longing to heed the Word of God, to learn the Word of God? I hope that it is. This blessed book that God has given to us, what a wonderful thing it is. Mothers and fathers, aren't you glad that you can take this Bible and you can sing your little nursery rhymes uh, from the Bible to, to your children? And there they are, and their hearts can be taken up with the, with the precious truths that are in the, in the Word of God. But let me ask you this, men and women of great intellectual ability. Intellectual ability that has been joined together with spiritual insight. Aren't you glad that this Word is never exhausted? Aren't you glad that you know that when you go, in the, when you, when you go, when you go to heaven, the, the, the truths in this Word will never be fully mined? All, you will never get bored with the concept of God. God will never be fully figured out by our finite minds. But there will always be new breaking forth uh, by way of the reality of who God is. You see, God, again, in His infinite glory, you and I will never be bored with Him. And friends, let me say this. If we are bored with Him in this life, it's because we are allowing other things to cloud out His glory. And so again, the question of verse 9, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? The engagement of the heart in verse 10, with the whole heart, the longing not to sin in verse 11, that I might not sin against thee, the thirsting for knowledge after God's statutes. Again, teach me thy statutes. These are all the marks of a holy desire generated by the Spirit of God and becoming the driving motivation of young men. I love it. May I know more of it. May it impel me to do what God is calling me to be. And you see the gray hair. But you young men, again, this is what God is calling you to, especially here today. So the first thing that we see here is the desire. The second thing we see here is the determination. And what's the ter- what is determination? Determination is that fixed resolve. Determination is that settledness of spirit. Determination is, again, that, that certain conviction that this thing must be done. And that's what, the, the, that's what we see here in the psalmist. Again, we see this in verse 10. We see this in verse 11. We see this in verse 13. We see this in verse 15. And I'll move a little quickly here now. But notice again, verse 10. With my whole heart, I have sought you. There's the determination. I have sought you. In verse 11, thy word have I hid in my heart. Verse 13, with my lips I will declare. Verse 15, I will meditate. Verse, uh, and again, secondly in verse 15, I will, uh, I will delight. And what we're seeing here is a specific determination on the part of the psalmist. I will, I will, I will. Not in the sense of his own strength. Not in the sense of arrogant pride like we heard on the lips of, of Satan in, the, in ages past when we read there in the Old Testament. But a will of devotion and determination to God. Can I stir you up in these directions here this morning? Can I call you to this kind of holy resoluteness of, of purpose? You see, not only, a, not only a desire, but a fixed resolve. Just one thing I want to bring out here. Notice, notice what, uh, what uh, verse 15 says in the ESV. It's, uh, the, the translation says this, I will meditate on your, on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. The eyes, the eyes, the eyes, the eyes. The eyes of a Christian, the eyes of a man, the eyes of a young man. You see, what is it about these eyes of ours? You see, the eyes, again, tell much, don't they? But I think one of the chief challenges to the eye is this. It's not so much the eyes that stands as an eye, but it's the eye as a gate through which things are seen that stir corrupt passions within the individual. The eye. It's a window. The eye must be guarded. This is why, again, Job says, famously, what does Job say? I made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a maid? And, of course, we know the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. If thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out. 
And the issue here is this. It's not, the, it's not the eye as an eye. It's what happens internally to the soul through the eye. But you see, when your desire is for the things of God, it's something of a protective. When your determination is to do the things that God calls you to do, it's something of a safeguard. And so again, there you are as a young man. Not walking around literally with blinders on your eyes, but having spiritual blinders that say, before me is the glory of God, and that's what I'm going to live for by the grace of God. Old saints, can we live for any less? Are we going to play the hypocrite this morning and say to our young people, you do this, you do this, and you do this, and not take it up ourselves? May God give us grace. And then the last thing we see here is the light. We see this in verse 14 and 15. I delight as much in all... and I delight... Uh, as much as, all, as, as in all riches. What are we seeing here? The psalmist is saying, look, this knowledge of God, this, this keeping my way pure, it's better to, them, it's better to me than, than riches. Holiness is more important to me, the psalmist is saying, than money. Can we say that? We know we need money. We're not fools. We know we, have, we live in a day and age where we have to provide for ourselves. We know that God has placed us on a responsibility uh, to, to, to work and to provide for our own. We know all that. We know that we're not to enter into our work lackadaisically. We know that we're not to uh, uh, ask others to do things for us that God has given us the ability, uh, the ability to do ourselves. But when it's all said and done, what are the things of this world compared to the delight that the soul has in God? And then in verse 15, I will delight in your statutes. Well, you see, this brings us back again to the Word of God, doesn't it? Oh, do you delight in the Word of God? Is the Word of God your delight? This delight is something that we see over and over again in Scripture. Again, I can just I can list all the times the psalmist speaks about delighting. Psalm 119 over and over again. So this brings us now, in, in one sense, to, to our points of application. What do we see here? Well, here is a young man either asking the question or the young man under the counsel of a godly saint. And he's being told, how can you keep your way pure? By taking heed to the word of God. Reminding us at the same time that there are certain emotional attitudes, certain frames of mind that must go along with it. This must be something that appeals to you. You must have something of a, of a relish or a desire for these things. You must desire holiness. Oh, can I, can, I, can I plead with you? Can I plead with myself to love holiness more than I do? You see, again, this desire and then the determination. It's a wonderful thing. The, the strength of youth is fantastic. But to see it wasted, its energy and sin. Oh, may we, may we as a church pray for the strength of youth to be developed in holiness here. You see this determination. And then lastly, it's, it's the light. I think I've told some of you about this before, that I was talking with, a, with another pastor one time and explaining, you know, just you know, conveying to him the, you know, the difficulty of you know, having to call individuals to, to, to certain um, actions that were just tough for, them, tough for the individuals to do. And, and, and that wise pastor said unto me, he says, don't forget to tell them that there's blessing in obedience. And I thought, man, isn't that right? And there is. There's blessing in obedience. And when you take up the call of God as a young man to be holy, there's blessing in that. When you take up the call of God to be faithful in a fallen world, God sees that. And so again, the, 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 the desire, the determination, and the delight. Well, when we come to our points of application, two main areas, and I'll go through these quickly, two main areas. How can any of this be done except through the work of the Spirit of God on the soul? Morality will call you to clean living. Human effort will get you far on a human level, 
But when it's all said and done, unless the Spirit of God energize the soul, these things will not or cannot be done. And so again, let us pray and let us ask that the Spirit of God would have such, a, such an influence and such an impact in our lives that again, this determination, this desire, and this delight will be ours. But the second thing I want to do is I want to set before you your wonderful Savior. I want to say that again. I want to set before you your wonderful Savior. And I want you to see Jesus Christ in this passage of Scripture. I want you to see Jesus Christ in this passage of Scripture in the following way. Here is the Lord Jesus Christ cleansing his church through his word. Isn't that what Ephesians 5 tells us? Again, he cleanses the church. He washes the church with the word of God. Jesus Christ himself is cleansing young and old alike through the word of God. Through the proclamation of the word, there is Jesus Christ cleansing his church. But I want you to see something else here. Did ever a man have a desire to do the will of God as our Lord Jesus Christ? Jesus said in John 4, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. That ever a man have such a determination to do the will of God, my, not my will, but thy will be done. That a man ever have such a delight in the will of God, Psalm 40, I delight to do thy will, O oh my God. Thy law is written in my heart. Oh, see and understand in this passage of Scripture a great call to holiness to all of us, particularly to the young. But let us also see in this the necessity of the Spirit of God to work upon the soul. Let us also see in this our loving Savior washing the church and exemplifying for us by way of desire, determination, and delight how we should interact with the Word of God. Let's pray.